You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. When Caverns Yawned, by Captain S.P. Meek, Part 3. He raced down the stairs with the detective at his heels. He went along the line of touring cars and spoke briefly to the drivers. He climbed into the car which Carnes had brought. As it started, the other cars fell in behind it. At a speed of forty miles an hour, with a detachment of motorcycle police leading the van, the cavalcade rolled out through the deserted streets of Washington. Once clear of the city, the speed was increased. "'Did you persuade the President to leave?' asked the doctor. "'There wasn't a chance. The papers panned him so much for following my advice at Charleston that he has turned stubborn.' He says that if all the forces of the government can protect him against one man, he is willing to die. "'We've got to save him,' said Dr. Berg grimly. "'Hello. There's the Chesapeake ahead.' The doctor studied the country. "'We are about opposite the place where we left that sub last night. I fancy that Saranoff will operate from there, for it didn't move during the last half hour we watched it. We'll go back inland a mile or two and spread out.' I have no idea how far his radiations will affect the electroscopes, but we'll try 400-yard intervals to start. That will enable us to cover a line 12 miles long. He picked up a megaphone and spoke to the line of cars behind him. Take up 400-yard intervals when we spread out, he said. Every man keep his headphone on and listen for orders. Follow my car until it stops, then turn north and south and drop your men at intervals. He re-entered the car and led the way back for two miles. He halted his car at a crossroad. The cars following him turned and went to the north and south. Besides Carnes and the doctor, the car held two men from the bureau. As they climbed out, Carnes saw that one of them carried a portable radio sending set, while the other bore an electroscope and a rubber rod. The radio operator set up his device, while the other man rubbed his coat sleeve briskly with the hard rubber and then touched the ball of the electroscope with it. The two bits of gold leaf spread out. "'While we're waiting, I'll explain something of this to you, Carnes,' said the doctor. "'At four hundred-yard intervals are men with electroscopes like this one. My attempt to locate Saranoff by means of wave detectors was a failure. That proved that the ray he was using is not of the wave type. The other common ray is the cathode ray type, which does not consist of vibrations, but of a stream of electrons, negative particles of electricity, traveling in straight lines of high velocity. He must be knocking loose some of the electrons when he collapses the atoms. The rate of discharge of these electroscopes will give us a clue to the nearness of his device. Once you locate him, how do you propose to attack him? The obvious method, that of using his own ray against him, fell down. However, in attempting to produce it, I stumbled on another weapon which may be equally effective. I am going to try to use an exact opposite of his ray. The cathode ray, when properly used, will bombard the atoms and knock electrons loose. I perfected last night a device on which I have been working for months. It is a super cathode ray. I tested it on the yellow powder and find that I can successfully reverse Saranoff's process. He can contract matter together until it occupies less than one one-thousandth of its original volume. My ray will destroy this effect and restore matter to something like its original condition. And the effect will be? Use your imagination. He blasts out a hole by condensing the rock to a pinch of yellow powder. 
He moves forward into the hole he has made. I come along and reverse his process. The yellow powder expands to its original volume, and the hole he has made ceases to exist. What must happen to the foreign body which had been introduced into the hole that is no longer a hole? Carnes whistled. At any rate, I hope that I am never in a hole when that happens. And I devoutly hope that Saranoff is. I met with one difficulty. My ray will not penetrate the depth of solid rock which separates his borer from the surface. Then how will you reach him to crush him? You don't expect to drill down ahead of him. That is my stroke of genius, Carnes. I am going to make him bore the hole down which my ray will travel to accomplish his destruction. The cathode ray and rays of that type— Pardon me, doctor, interrupted the radio operator. I have just received a message from the squadron leader of the planes patrolling the bay. He states that every inch of the Chesapeake Bay and the Potomac River have been examined and no submarine is visible. I expected that. He will have opened a cavern under the earth in which his craft is safe from aerial observation. Once the borer has left it, it is invulnerable no longer. What reply shall I make? Tell him to keep up a constant patrol. Three Navy subs with radite-charged torpedoes are on their way up the bay, together with half a dozen destroyers. The subs will scout for such a hole as I have described, and will attack his sub if they find it. The destroyers will stand by and support them. The operator turned to his instrument. The electroscope observer claimed the doctor's attention. There was a steady leak here, doctor, he said. I get a discharge in eleven minutes. Probably a result of his work in opening the hiding place for his submarine last night. Keep it charged, Jones. What did you say about the cathode ray, doctor? asked Carnes. The cathode ray? Oh, yes. I said that rays of that type were attracted by... Hello. Look there. From a point a mile to the north, a ball of red fire streaked up into the air. A moment later, similar signals rose from other watchers in the line. It works, Carnes, cried the doctor as he rushed for the car. We've got him this time. The car raced along the road. At the first man who had signaled, it slackened speed. The doctor leaned out. What is your discharge rate? he called. Eight minutes, doctor. The car rolled on. Dr. Bird repeated the question at the next post and was told that the electroscope there was losing its charge in seven minutes. The next man reported four minutes and the next man one minute. The following station reported three minutes. "'It's right along here somewhere,' cried the doctor. "'Summon everyone to this point and take up twenty-yard intervals.' From the north and south the cars came racing in. The instruments were spread out along a new line twenty yards apart. As the borer was located, the intervals were decreased to fifteen feet. Dr. Bird thrust a long white rod into the ground. "'His path lies under here,' he said. "'Into the cars and go back a mile and test again.' The borer was making slow progress, and it was half an hour before Dr. Bird drove the second stake in the ground. With a transit he took the bearing of the path and laid it out on a large-scale map. "'We'll stop him between Mar and Ritchie,' he announced." "'Jones, I am going back and set up my apparatus. Keep track of his movements. If he changes direction, let me know at once.' The doctor's car tore off to the west. Near Upper Marlboro he met the convoy of trucks and led them to the selected spot. The trucks were unloaded, and the apparatus laid out. Attached to a huge transformer were a dozen strange-looking projectors. What puzzled Carnes most was a huge built-up steel bar wound about with heavy cable.' 
Dr. Bird had this bar erected on a truck and located it with great exactness. The projectors were set up in a battery just east of the bar. "'How about power?' asked the doctor. "'We'll have it in five minutes,' replied one of the men. "'A power transmission line carrying 22,000 passes within 200 yards of here. "'We are phoning now to have the power cut off. "'As soon as the line is dead, we'll cut it and bring the ends here.' "'The electrician was good at his word. "'In five minutes the power line had been cut and cables spliced to the ends. "'The cables were brought to the doctor's apparatus, "'and the main lines were rigged to the ends of the cable wound around the bar.' In parallel on taps, the projectors were connected. Huge oil switches were placed in both lines. "'All ready, doctor,' reported the electrician. "'Good work, Avent. He'll be here soon, I fancy.' A car whirled up, and a man leaped out with a surveyor's rod. He set it up on the ground while a companion watched through binoculars. He moved it a hundred yards to the north and then back twenty. When he was satisfied, he turned to Dr. Bird. The direction of movement has not changed, he said. The path will pass under this stake. Under the doctor's supervision, the truck carrying the bar moved forward until it stood over the surveyor's stake. The battery of projectors moved to a new location a few feet east of the rod. Other cars came racing up. He's less than half a mile away, doctor, cried Jones. Get your electroscopes out and spot him a hundred yards from this truck. Very well, doctor. The men with the instruments spread out along the path of the borer. Briskly they rubbed their sleeves with the rubber rods and charged their instruments. Almost as fast as they charged them, the tiny bits of gold leaf collapsed together. Presently the man on the end of the line shouted. "'Maximum discharge!' he cried. Dr. Bird looked around. Every man stood ready at his post. The next man signaled that the borer was under him. Carnes felt himself trembling. He did not know what the doctor was about to do, but he felt the fate of America hung in the balance. Whether it remained free or became the slave of Soviet Russia would quickly be decided. Slowly the borer made its way forward. With a pale face, Jones signaled the news that it had reached the point the doctor had indicated. Dr. Bird raised his hand. "'Power!' he cried. The electrician closed a switch and power surged through the cables around the bar. The earth rocked and quivered. A hundred yards east of the bar a flash of intolerable red light sprang from the ground with a roar like that of Niagara. Toward the bar it moved with gathering momentum. "'Back, everyone!' roared Dr. Bird. The men sprang back. The searing ray approached the bar. It touched it, and bar and truck disappeared into thin air. A splutter of sparks came from the severed ends of the wire. The ray disappeared. Carnes rubbed his eyes. Where the truck had rested on solid ground was now a gaping wound in the earth. "'Projector forward!' cried the doctor. "'Hurry, men!' The trucks bearing the battery of projectors moved forward until they were at the edge of the hole. Portable cranes swung the lamps out, and men swarmed over them. The projectors were pointed down the hole. Carnes joined the doctor in peering down. A hundred yards below them, the terrible ray was blazing. As they watched, its end came in sight. The ray was being projected forward from the end of a black cigar-shaped machine, which was slowly moving forward. "'That's your target, men,' cried the doctor. "'A line on it, and signal when you are ready.' One by one the projector operators raised their hands in the signal of ready. Still the doctor waited. Suddenly the forward movement of the black body ceased. 
The ray was stationary for a moment, and then moved slowly upward. A terrific roaring came from the cavern. "'Projector switch!' roared the doctor, his heavy voice sounding over the tumult. "'Ready, sir!' a shrill voice answered. "'Power!' From each of the projectors a dazzling green ray leaped forth as the switch was closed. There was a crash like all the thunder of the universe. Before the astonished eyes of the detective, the hole closed. Not only did it close, but the earth piled up until the trucks were overturned and the green rays blazed in all directions. "'Power off!' roared the doctor. The switch was opened, and the ray died out. Before them was a huge mound where a moment before had been a hole. "'You see, Carnes,' said Dr. Bird with a wan smile, "'I made him bore his own hole, as I promised. "'I saw it, but I don't understand. How did you do it?' "'Magnetism. Rays of the cathode type are deflected from their course by a magnet. "'His ray proved unusually susceptible.' and I drew it toward a huge electromagnet which I improvised. When the magnet was destroyed, the ray dropped back to its original direction. That's the end of Saranoff. That is, I hope it is. Dr. Bird's voice had grown slower and less distinct as he talked. As he said the last words, he slumped gently to the ground. Carnes sprang forward with a cry of alarm and bent over him. "'What's the matter, doctor?' he demanded anxiously, shaking the scientist. Dr. Bird rallied for a moment. "'Sleep, old dear,' he murmured. Four days. No sleep. Go away. I'm going to sleep.'" End of Part 3 And End of When Caverns Yawned by Captain S. P. Meek